1: Lord, who has believed what he heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Now, the purpose of John putting this here is to underscore that Israel's rejection of Jesus Christ was not a surprise to, to God.
2: Are there any surprises to God? I think I asked that question in a broadcast last week, and of course the answer is no. You might want to think about that as you make decisions and plans going through your day and week. I'm Mike Trout. This is an outreach of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. We call it Study Verse by Verse, and Pastor Layton is continuing in the book of John. All of our past broadcasts are on our website, highlands.us. That's highlands.us.
1: He is quoting from Isaiah 53, verse 1. Isaiah 52 and 53 are messianic passages. They talk about the coming Messiah. Messiah. And predicting Israel's unbelief, Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 53.1, Lord, who has believed our report? Who has believed our message? And obviously, the answer is very few, even though the arm of the Lord has been revealed. Now, the arm of the Lord in Semitic thought is a symbol of power. It's another way of saying that the Lord has shown His power. The Lord has shown His power in Jesus, through His message and through His miracles. And in spite of that, who has believed the message. Verse 39, Therefore they could not believe. For again, Isaiah said, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. Now here he is quoting from Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 10. And uh, evidently, it was this passage from the Old Testament that early believers would refer to when people asked them why so many Jewish people had not received Jesus Christ as their Savior. I had mentioned Acts 28 to you before. Let's go ahead and turn there. Acts chapter 28. The book of Acts is the history of the early church. It closes with a passage describing Paul's ministry in Rome. So I'm going to Acts chapter 28, verse 23. It says, "...they," that is speaking of the Jewish religious leaders in Rome arranged to meet Paul on a certain day, and came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. From morning until evening he explained and declared to them the kingdom of God and tried to convince them about Jesus from the law of Moses and from the prophets. Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. They disagreed among themselves, and they began to leave after Paul had made this final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your forefathers when he said through Isaiah the prophet... Go to this people and say, you will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused hard, and they hardly hear with their ears, and they've closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. And for two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. Boldly and without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. And so ends the book of Acts, the history of the early church. But the passage, again, is referred to by Paul, the passage from Isaiah 6. And so it's evidently a passage that the early believers called upon to explain why so many Jewish people had rejected Jesus Christ is their Messiah. Now, there's a a troubling thing about this passage, and that is that it seems to say that people's unbelief is due to some action on God's part. That God has ordained certain people not to believe, and ordained others to believe. Now, not only did the prophecy describe unbelief, it also explains it. And John quotes Isaiah 6 to to show that unbelief is the result of the continual rejection of light, which makes, gradually, makes belief impossible. Now, this is a really important passage for us to understand correctly. And so, to that end, I've researched the perspectives of many great biblical scholars, and I want to present them to you as follows. Merrill Tenney wrote, the original text, the antecedent text, is taken from the commission of Isaiah. God appointed the prophet to preach to the inhabitants of Judah, but warned him in advance that his mission would not be successful. Isaiah was told to announce his message, even though it merely hardened the hearts of those who heard him. God offered the opportunity of faith, but the very offer made the recipients of it more obstinate. It was not God's desire to alienate his people. But without the author of faith and repentance, they would never turn to him anyway. The cumulative effect of unbelief is a hardened attitude that becomes more impenetrable as time progresses. R.C.H. Lenski wrote This is not a blinding and hardening decreed in advance by an absolute will, that is, God. Forcing damnation upon men, but a judicial and punitive decree upon those whose unrepentance God foresees. They who willfully and wickedly turn the gospel, which on God's part is meant for them as a savor of life unto life, into a savor of death unto death, shall indeed go to their doom. The announcement of their fate in advance by prophecy is due to the foreknowledge of God, which declares that they who will not believe and be saved shall not believe and find salvation. As Leon Morris notes, when John quotes, he hath blinded their eyes, he does not mean that the blinding takes place without the will or against the will of these people. These men chose evil. It was their own deliberate choice, their own fault. Make no mistake about that. D.A. Carson adds, God's judicial hardening is not presented as the capricious manipulation of an arbitrary potentate, cursing morally neutral or even morally pure beings, but as a holy condemnation of a guilty people who are condemned to do and be what they themselves have chosen. A.T. Robertson wrote, John is not absolving these Jews from moral responsibility but only showing that the words of Isaiah had to be fulfilled for they were the expression of divine foreknowledge. Arthur Pink wrote, The true interpretation here depends on the fact that the participle rendered that in the sense of in order that sometimes signifies so that. Pointing out, Not the connection of cause and effect, but that of prediction and accomplishment. We believe it had been better to render it thus. They believed not. Consequently, the saying of Isaiah was fulfilled. God does not have to put forth any power to cause any sinner not to believe. If God leaves the sinner to himself, he will never believe. He never will believe. Arthur Pink. That's what Ephesians 2 tells us. Left to ourselves, we we can't initiate any any part of our salvation. As for you, speaking of us, you were, past tense, dead in your transgressions and sin. Something that's dead is non-responsive. Doesn't know if it's hot, cold, wet, dry. In fact, doesn't even know it's dead. Something that's dead cannot save itself. That's what he's saying. If God leaves a sinner to himself, he will never believe. Israel's rejection of Jesus Christ was the culmination of years of rebellion, misused privileges, and forsaking of divine truth. And the result was that when truth came in the person of Jesus Christ, many could not believe because they had hardened their hearts for so long. John MacArthur wrote, It is a sobering reality that those who persistently harden their hearts against God may find themselves hardened by Him. The historical record of God's dealing with Pharaoh illustrates that principle, noting ten times that Pharaoh hardened his own heart and ten times that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. God hardened the hearts of those who refused to believe in Jesus so that they could not believe. Pastor J. Vernon McGee wrote, Jesus has presented himself to them as the Messiah and as their king and they have rejected Jesus personally. And now he rejects them. Listen to me carefully. Because they would not accept him, there came a day when they could not accept him. My friend, the most dangerous thing in the world is to hear the gospel and then turn your back on it. If you just go on listening and listening and do not accept it and act upon it, there comes the time when you cannot hear and you cannot see. Arthur Pink said, O dear reader, be warned of this. It is an unspeakably solemn thing to trifle with the overtures of God's grace. It is written, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? And then seek ye the Lord while he may be found and call upon him while he is near. Verse 41, Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Isaiah chapter 6 opens by saying, In the year that the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. The prophet was looking at the manifestation of God. And what John is saying here is that vision that Isaiah saw that day was Jesus sitting on the throne. Now, to us, that might seem natural because we've been conditioned by centuries of Christian theology. But to John and his contemporaries, it was not. Remember at the time of Christ's ministry that God had become inaccessible and incomprehensible to the Jewish people. God was too beyond anyone's ability to see. see. And so they, they perceived that even those like Moses and Isaiah who received a vision of God didn't actually see God because God can't be seen but saw an image of Him. And out of all of the limited number of visions, there was none that was more glorious than the vision that was recorded by Isaiah the prophet. And it's this vision with all of its glorious splendor that John applies to Jesus.
2: Well, we'll have to end our visit today right there, and we'll pick up tomorrow on this broadcast with the Thursday edition and the continuation of Pastor Layton's thought and message. This is an outreach of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno on the air daily, Monday through Friday at this same time. If you'd like to get in touch with us, if you have any questions, you can reach us at highlands.us. That's highlands.us. And just a quick reminder, Church of the Highlands is partnering with the Institute for Creation Research to have an educational event on Saturday, October 16th. All the details are on that website, and I hope you can join us. That's highlands.us. Come back tomorrow if you can as we once again open the Word of God and study verse by verse. This program is paid for in part by Church of the Highlands in San Bruno.